Welcome to the Bear Creek United Methodist Church weekly podcast. This is a space where we will share weekly sermon reflections from Pastor Brooke McBride. We will share music that we encounter every week in our worship services. Thank you for joining us in this space of belonging. So for our scripture passage this morning, today, um, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke the 11th chapter, verses 37 and following. Um, and these are some of the toughest passages to listen to in Scripture. They are when Jesus says, woe to you. So let us be open to the Spirit of Christ as we listen to the Scripture. While he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give for alms those things that are within, and see, everything will be clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice, and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And he said, Woe also to you lawyers, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your ancestors killed. So you are witnesses and improve of the deeds of the ancestors, for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel and the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge, you did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. I've got a granddaughter. Her name is Emerson, and she's a five-year-old now, and she's an only. And sometimes I think I want to write a book about how to be a pops to an only, or some of the, the fun encounters that we have of her being an only child. We live in a house that's connected to Emerson's house, so she can come to us at any time. She just has to open a couple doors, go through a hallway, and there we are, her grandparents. And, and Emerson likes to come over to our house, uh, I think partly because we've got some pretty good candy, but uh, also I think there are a couple other reasons. And so we were, this last Christmas, we had a lot of people at our house, Christmas season, a lot of family. And Emerson, we found, loved to come over to our place during the Christmas holidays, maybe even a little bit 
too many times she would come. And I think her parents got a little frustrated. Maybe Emerson was running away from a few things that were happening over there. And so one day Emerson was up in our house and she was upstairs playing her games and having a good time. And her mom came in and her mom was pretty frustrated. And she said, where's Emerson? I said, she's upstairs. And I heard her go up there and she said, Emerson, you can't just come over here without telling us all the time. You can't just leave our place and come over here. And Emerson said, oh, why not? And she said, because, you know, sometimes we have things we need you to do. And she said, yeah, but that's why I like to come over here because there aren't any rules over here. I can do anything I want. <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, I'm a lot like Emerson. I don't always want to follow the rules. I want my own way all the time. And today we hear from a Jesus who kind of challenges us. We, we, uh, we are challenged with some truth maybe we don't want to hear. Sometimes I don't like Jesus. Today is one of them. Why stand up and let the Pharisees have it so hard? I mean, does anybody really listen to a finger pointing straight at them and somebody yelling, woe to you? Jesus in today's passage kind of looks like one of those guys down at the Seattle Mariners game or the Seahawks game. You know the guy, dressed all in black, not smiling a bit, standing on a little soapbox, carrying that huge microphone or megaphone, with absolutely a horrible sounding sound system, shouting at the top of his lungs, woe to you, you evil and perverse generation. All your riches will get you nowhere. If you don't turn, you are sure to go to hell. Quoting every scripture passage of condemnation they can find in the Bible. I'll have to be honest with you. Those aren't my favorite people. And that type of evangelism isn't something that I admire or adhere to. Woe to you doesn't turn anybody towards God, in my opinion, only further away. But here it is. Here he is, our Jesus, looking us into the eye today and trying to speak the truth to a group that was going the wrong way. Have you ever had to do that? I was part of a family and friends intervention group a couple of times in my ministry. One I really remember. The guy we surrounded was a member of our church. I was his pastor. He was our trustee chair. Everybody loved him, but he was on the path towards destruction. Drugs, alcohol, gambling. His family had covered up for him as long as they could. And finally, they had called me to join them, to come tell the truth to him in love. You know what? The hard part wasn't the truth. Some of his family members were so angry at him, they could hardly wait to look him in the eyes and tell him the truth. But that wasn't the task. The task was to tell him the truth in love. Man, that's hard to do, isn't it? To tell the truth to someone with love in your heart. 
Hey, I can tell someone off with the best of them. I can look Donald Trump in the eyes and let him have it. I can tell the credit card company that keeps overcharging me or the credit card company that charges poor people 30% or even 300% interest rate for every charge. I can yell at them too because I don't know who they are. But I have the hardest time facing them in love with the truth. I'm a little like my dad that way. My dad was a pastor, and he was a pastor who was omni-available. I mean, his door was always open. I mean, our parsonage door was always open. I mean, there wasn't a year that we didn't have some down-and-out family or some homeless man or some troubled teen living with us. There was a time that we as a family were totally burnt out by this idea that the pastor was always to be available. I remember it got so bad that my dad took to hiding sometimes. We'd all be out in the family garden, pulling weeds, harvesting sweet corn. It was a, it was a big garden, about two acres. And some guy would walk by who knew my dad and wanted to talk with him. And dad, knowing this was going to be one of those two hour conversations, he would duck his head down and lay in the cornfield so he couldn't be seen and mom would have to cover for him. Or one time, some long-winded member of our church stopped by at the parsonage on a Saturday morning to have a coffee with dad and dad actually hid in the bathtub while I lied through my teeth about where he was. Why didn't dad just tell these people the truth? Why didn't he just tell them that he needed some time away and alone. But instead, Dad would lie and get us to lie because he just couldn't tell folks the truth, especially the people he loved. Any of you struggle with that? It is hard to tell the truth in love. But here's the deal. As hard as it is for me to tell the truth to people I like and love, it's even harder for me to listen to the truth, for me to hear the truth. I've placed around me layers and layers and layers of protection. And what am I trying to protect myself from? What don't I want to do? To be honest, I don't want to hear the truth. I can't handle the truth. Do you remember that movie, A Few Good Men? Jack Nicholson, the lieutenant colonel, is getting interrogated by Tom Cruise, the crack whip lawyer. And Jack Nicholson, worked up now, says, you want the truth? And Tom Cruise says, I not only want the truth, I deserve the truth. And then Nicholson just blows. You can't handle the truth. Well, Jack Nicholson isn't wrong. When the truth is looking us right back in the mirror, we humans will do almost anything we can possibly do to divert it, to cushion it, to ignore it. Isn't that why we struggled and still struggle with Black Lives Matter? It's so Jesus today, right in your face. 
Isn't that why so many of us turned off our TVs when we witnessed George Floyd getting murdered before our eyes? We knew there was racism. We knew we had struggles, but we had no idea the depths and the breadths of our own racism. And when Fernell Miller, a PE instructor in Woodenville, came to Bear Creek and shared some of her racial experiences right here in Woodenville, let's face it, we struggled. We wanted to turn her off. We wanted to discount her personal experience. We're not racist here in Woodenville. Minneapolis, sure. The Deep South, of course. Downtown Seattle, even there. But here in Woodenville? If it's in Woodenville, don't we have to entertain the fact that racism might even be in here, in our church, or even closer, in you or me? How can we learn to allow the truth to speak? How can we come together in this divided country and listen to each other with love and truth. Bishop Elaine Stanofsky, our bishop here in the Pacific Northwest, gave a sermon at our charge conference this year where she stated some very obvious things. One, she said, boldly, I thought, that our beloved denomination, which has always been a denomination that believes in unity and not division, a denomination built on John Wesley's concept of the Catholic spirit, Catholic small case, Catholic in the sense of understanding that we are united, that we, we live under the same spirit that in the end wants to be one, one in Christ, one in unity, one in faith. A, a people that don't sweat the small stuff, you know, we can be, disagree in the small stuff, but, but we stay together because... At the end, we're all connected because of the, the large stuff. And then she went on to say that in the case of issues of human sexuality, and I want to say this right now, human sexuality is a key issue for me, an important issue. But she says that in cases of human sexuality, we United Methodists have not held firm to this Wesleyan understanding of unity. Ouch. And then she called us to reinvest ourselves in the United Methodist belief of unity, to stubbornly cling to each other, not in doctrine, but in love. Boy, that, my friends, is our problem, isn't it? We don't really want to love people that much. It's much easier to let them go, to wave off, wave them off, or to tell them off if they differ from us but to stubbornly cling to them in love, to keep at it, to keep the foot in the door and keep dialoguing with them when their words sting and hurt us and sting and hurt the people we love, somehow we need to find a different understanding of truth, I think. We see truth as an arrow, a thin line that each of us must suck in our gut in order to stand on. Or we have made truth instead, not a one, but an anything goes. I've got my truth, you've got your truth, and we don't have to come together at all. 
but neither of those ideas work for me because I don't think truth is linear. I don't think truth is so inclusive either and accepting that it means nothing. We need a truth or an understanding of truth, in my opinion, that includes both truth and love. In order to come to some place where those two meet, I believe that we need to see truth not as an arrow, but as a grounding place, a piece of property in our hearts where we can gather with open hearts, a piece of ground where there is enough room for some diversity, where we can truthfully and safely gather, where we give each other enough grace and space to feel safe enough to speak all of our truths, of our my truths. And maybe in sharing each of our my truths, we can begin to find a common song to sing or a wide enough canvas where our colors, colors can combine enough to find something greater than me and my, something we can call ours. Have any of you ever heard of Daryl Davis? I wouldn't expect you to. He's an African-American musician and he plays the piano. But what, what you may not know about him is that Daryl is also an activist. He spent years working to understand why people in this world hated him because of the color of his skin. And especially trying to understand why white people like us seem to hate black people like him. In order to understand the other side, Daryl wanted to understand the whole understanding in, in a whole new level. And so he started striking up conversations with, get this, he's an African-American man. And he started to have conversations with the Ku Klux Klan. He actually started to go to KKK rallies, an African-American man. He even struck up a relationship with the KKK Grand Dragon of Maryland, Roger Kelly. He spent years and hours sitting down with Roger Kelly with one person in mind to try to understand that person's hatred toward him. Not saying he agreed with him, but saying, I care enough about you and me to try to understand you. And after years and years of dialogue, of listening, of trying with all his heart, he finally brought that Roger Kelly to a place where he respected him, where Daryl, the African-American guy, was respected by this KKK guy. And after years more of conversation, guess who quit the KKK? That's right. Roger Kelly, the Grand Dragon of Maryland. That, my friends, is a lighthouse of hope for me. Could we learn here at Bear Creek United Methodist Church to be a place where we circle is wide enough that we can come and be a place where people can find some solid ground and learn to respect each other enough so that each of our hearts can be changed. Let's be a light. Let's let our light shine. Let's be a different kind of truth here at Bear Creek. And all the people said, Amen.